Thank you, Brad. That was my Grandpa Vern's favorite hymn. Whenever I hear it, I think of him. And I think of one other thing. I want to live my life in such a way that I can sing that song with integrity, that it is well with my soul. Thanks be to God. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I invite you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. The first part of chapter 20 is the empty tomb. We're going to skip forward to verse 19. And would you stand, if you're able, for the reading of the Gospel this morning? John, chapter 20, starting at verse 19. It says, On the evening of that first day of the week, and you know what evening of first day of the week we're talking about, right? This is Easter night. On that evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were all together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of God given for the people of God. And we respond together by saying, thanks be to God. You can be seated. It was 1947. And Vladimir Zinchenkov was a government accounting clerk in Russia. He'd been out drinking too much with his friends the night before, and he discovered that he had misplaced 400 ration cards that belonged to his boss. This was not good. Ration cards were a prized commodity in post-war Russia, and with Siberia perhaps beckoning him for his actions, Mrs. Zenchenkov said to her husband, you need to make yourself scarce. And so the next day she went down to the workplace and she went in and she told all of his co-workers that he'd ran off with another woman when instead he was home hiding. And he stayed home hiding for the next 22 years. In 1969, Mrs. Zenchenkov died and her husband went down to the police station to turn himself in. And through that all, he learned that the ration cards had actually turned up The next day, in the desk drawer, the day after he had disappeared in 1947. 22 years of hiding in fear. It's amazing what fear will do to us. Advice columnist Ann Landers received over 10,000 letters a day until she passed away in 2002. And she was once asked, what, uh, uh, is there a common theme? Is there a theme that, that, that is the most? What do you get letters about the most? She didn't hesitate at all. She said, fear. Fear comes in many forms. Louis Pasteur is reported to have such an irrational uh, fear of dirt that he wouldn't shake hands with you. Howie Mandel, who hosts TV's Deal or No Deal and America's Got Talent, shaves his head because he is afraid of germs. President and Mrs. Benjamin Harrison were so intimidated by this newfangled thing they called electricity when they installed it in the White House, they wouldn't even touch 
the switches to turn the lights on or off. It is said that if the servants had gone home before uh, the lights were off, the Harrisons would sleep with the lights on because they did not want to touch the electrical box. It said of Soviet uh, dictator Joseph Stalin that he so feared for his safety that in his residence in Moscow, he had eight bedrooms in his residence, and he would randomly choose a different place to sleep each night so no one would know where he was located. I read a psychologist this week that said the number one catalyst for the choices that we make is fear. And I think that perhaps that's true. The number one problem that causes many of us to make wrong choices is because we are afraid. We're afraid of what our friends will think. We're afraid of ridicule. We're afraid of failing. We're afraid of being hurt. Even the disciples gave in to fear. There's a parallel today between the gospel lesson in John and a motion picture that came out a few years ago starring Jodie Foster called um, The Panic Room. I haven't seen the room, but I'm fascinated, or the, the movie, but I'm fascinated by the concept. Foster plays this recently divorced woman who, um, along with her daughter, buys this uh, brownstone apartment in New York City. And this is going to be the place where they kind of restart their life. And there's excitement to that until um, their joy turns to terror and three thugs break into the new home. The three men are looking for what is believed to be millions of dollars that have been hidden by the previous owner. So to escape, the woman and her daughter go to this unique feature in the home, a self-contained concrete room, a panic room. Now, I know living in North Idaho, that's not necessarily something that is a part of our architecture, uh, but in large cities, this is becoming a fast-growing part of construction. A concrete room placed in, in the home with a, with a steel door so that you, you can't get, it can't be penetrated. Video monitors and, and loudspeakers so that you can monitor what's taking place in the house. And the idea is that you just hunker down until the bad guys go away. Now, I'm sure there's more to the story. I can't even tell you how it ends. But what the women and the daughter do and what they intended is, I think, exactly what Jesus and the disciples are doing after the crucifixion. They are fearing the same people that arrested Jesus. They are fearing the same people that convicted Jesus. They are fearing the same people that crucified Jesus. And so they have gone to a room and they have all gathered together in the room and they have locked themselves in. They, are, they have barred the door and they are hunkering down. They don't know what this is going to look like, but they just got to wait it out. They're afraid. If they go out into the city now, who knows what's going to happen to them. So we're just going to wait. We're going to wait until things die down and maybe they can slip out of Jerusalem. Maybe they can slip back to where they lived before. Maybe they can go back to living the way they lived before if that was even possible. If the risen Christ had not appeared to these frightened disciples behind these closed doors and calmed their fears, you kind of wonder if they would have amounted to very much. They were down. They were delusioned. They were doubting. And even though some of them had already even encountered the risen Christ, they're so stunned by all the activities that have taken place. Uh, just a week or so before the palm branches, and then, and then the, the betrayal, and the cross, and now words of an empty tomb, they are besides themselves. I don't think that any of them in that moment, as they're locked in their panic room, ever would have thought that, that this day would turn out as great for them as it did. And it began 
when Jesus made himself known to them. Here they are. They are behind the doors, locked in fear, when Jesus suddenly is standing amongst them, and he says, peace be with you. Now, this is the standard greeting and blessing for a Jewish folks, shalom. But I kind of wonder, was Jesus giving them the standard greeting or blessing, or was he trying to calm them down? Because if all of a sudden Jesus shows up in the middle of the room and the door is locked, it might have been more like peace, peace, calm down. Or maybe a combination of both. We know that Jesus' second most common command is to love. Do you know what his most common command is? Do not fear. But they were afraid. It was too much for them. And so what does he do? He says to them, peace be with you. And he shows them his hands. And he shows them his side. He wants them to know it really is him. John tells us the disciples were overjoyed that it was the Lord. Here's the importance of showing the hands and showing the side. See, the greatest problem the disciples have is the same problem you and I have, a lack of faith. What is fear? Fear is a lack of faith, faith in ourselves, perhaps, or or faith in others, but ultimately a lack of faith in God. For if we truly would believe that God is who he says he is and that God wants to journey alongside of us and that God is not leaving us alone and that his amazing grace is all uh, encompassing for us, then is there any situation that we walk through, even the tough places, that we recognize we aren't by ourselves? Perhaps you're familiar with the name Rollo May. He's a famous therapist and, and author. He's uh, He's written lots of books, and one of his books is called My Quest for Beauty. The book tells of Rollo May's lifelong search for beauty, and one of his experiences in the, it was on a peninsula in Greece, inhabited exclusively by monks, and he arrived just in time for the uh, Greek Orthodox Easter, which, by the way, is today celebrated all over the world. It's a ceremony that is, that is thick with symbolism and beauty. There are icons everywhere. There's, there's incense that are hanging there. And, and partway through the service, the, the priest gives every person that's there three eggs, beautifully decorated and covered in a veil. And then the priest says, Christos Anesti, Christ is risen. And each person there, including Rolome, responded, He is risen indeed. Christos Anesti. I'll give you one more chance. Christo Anesti. Rollo May himself said those words, but here's the interesting thing about it. Rollo May is not a believer. And he writes in his book about this, this moment. He says, I was seized in that moment, listening to those people talk about him being risen indeed. I was seized in that moment, and I asked myself the question, what would it mean for the world if Jesus really was risen indeed? The answer to Rollo May's question is easy. No longer would you and I be afraid. If we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus has risen from the dead, what, what would be there to fear? Resurrection ought to change who we are. It ought to change the values of our life. What would there be to fear? Even death? Are you kidding? Death is the entrance into, the, into eternity. This is just the warm-up grounds. This is just the on-deck circle. Death becomes graduation for the follower of Jesus, right? I will admit, 
It's easy to say that. But we're not that much different than the disciples who are gathering on that Easter Sunday night. We believe it. But there is a part of us that is uncertain. There is a part of us sometimes that doubts. You know, if you keep reading the scripture, the next verses are about doubting Thomas. And there's a little bit of Thomas in each of us. How many of us literally spend years of our lives worrying about our finances or worrying about our health or worrying about our loved ones or worrying about what people think of us or worrying about whether people think about us at all? If we could only trust and live our lives in God, if we could truly believe that Christ rose from the grave, if we truly could believe that our life can be placed in his hands and God loves us more than we could even imagine, more than we've loved anything else, God loves us. And that God has a plan for us that is so much greater and so much more beautiful than anything that we have in our life. What might God be able to do with people who were so changed by the resurrection that they put their entire hope and their entire faith and their entire future in the hands of God. Jesus appears to his disciples and he says, peace be with you. Jesus is offering his peace. I don't know that there's a better offering to get than that. There is a reason that we invite you each week to greet each other in the peace of Christ. Bob and Gail Potter our foster parents. One of the Potter's foster children is a six-year-old girl named Sasha. Sasha has been abused and neglected by her family. She is fearful. She is unable to trust anyone. Not so long ago, Gail discovered that Sasha was hiding food in her room. And, I, and it wasn't just small snacks for later. I mean, it was grocery kind of food and food in the closet and food under the bed and food in the drawers. You see, Sasha had grown up in an environment where there was never enough. Never enough food and never enough love. Never enough security. She hoarded every bit of food that she could find just in case the adults in her life wouldn't take care of her. And that's a sad story. And yet how much, how much is it like you and I sometimes? For Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread. He taught us not to look at tomorrow's concerns, to be worried about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. But to focus on today. We don't even get today right, and we're trying to solve tomorrow. To focus today and say, God, I will give you my all today. I will trust in you today. I can't even begin to think tomorrow because I'm still working on this one. That tomorrow I would begin again. What would that be like Because I think some of us, deep down, we're a little like Sasha. Never enough material resources, never enough love, never enough security, and we're afraid. Friends, the meaning of Christ showing his his disciples his hands and his feet tells us that it doesn't have to be that way. As someone said, the presence of fear is a sure sign that we're trusting too much in our own strength. When will we quit hoarding our life and start trusting the Heavenly Father who created it all? Christ said again, peace be with you. And then he adds these important words. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so that through me you could see the character of the Father. 
That through me you could see how deep and how wide the love of the Father is. As the Father has sent me, now I am sending you so that the world might know who I am. You are the representation of the Son of God to the world. And, and I'm not talking to your neighbor. I'm talking to you. You are the representative of Jesus in the world. That's the facts. The question becomes, how well are you representing? As the Father has sent me, I am sending you so that through you and I, people might understand the love and grace of Jesus. And then he says to them, what's tied up in all of that is I'm sending you to do what? To go. I have a mission for you. And then the Gospel of John tells us that, that, they, that Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Why did they need the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus knew he would not be long with them uh, longer uh, physically. There would be days and months where Jesus couldn't say, when they're struggling, when they're in a tough place, to say, hey, guys, look at my hands. Remember, I am who I say I am. He knew that they would need more, that they would need to depend on the Spirit at work in the world. He knew that it would not be easy for them. He knew that there would be days when they would face unbelievable hardship and deprivation. And without the assurance of God's spirit at work, they might not make it. And that's as true for us today as it was for them. You know, each year we, we come on, a, on, a, on an Easter Sunday and we have this grand celebration of Christ's resurrection. And yet it's just hardly a few days later, if we're honest, we find ourselves locking ourselves in the panic room being timid in our faith, tentative in our lives. We need to continually pray that Christ's spirit would be as real to us as it was to them. You know, I'm working on something in, in my own life, and maybe it would be helpful to you. Because, you know, when I, most sermons that I preach, I preach to me because I need it. And, and if you get something out of it, you know, that's, that's good too. Um, but I've been working on something this week as I've been working through this passage of Scripture. I've been working on this idea that, that when I come up to, up to something that is frustrating or I come up to something that could bring fear or I come into something that is, that is difficult, I, I've been trying this week to, to, to pause and to hear Jesus say to me, Chad, peace be with you. And I've got to tell you, it's made a difference. When the stuff of life and the stress of Life And all of a sudden I realize I have a God who walks with me and I can stop in that moment, right in that moment, and I can hear, Chad, peace be with you. I'm going to write that on my phone this week. I'm going to hang it on my desk this week. Maybe you need to make a sign and put it on your desk this week. And hear those words, peace be with you. And I know that if you do that, he will honor that. And he will give you that peace. And his peace was real to the disciples. So real, look what happened to them. They went from being fearful to being some of the most daring people who have ever walked the face of the earth. Ridicule did not deter them. Torture did not deter them. The threat of death, even death itself. They answered Rollo May's question, what would it mean for the world if Christ has risen? They answered the question by the way they lived. Nothing could stop them. Most of this original group actually gave their life for the cause of Christ. 
This group that started off in a room that, was, that had barred the door, that they were afraid to walk outside, through them this morning, two billion, more than two billion people will kneel in the name of Jesus. And that work continues today. Their terror turned into trusting. Their fear turned into faith. They left that panic room and went to plant the gospel in every corner of the world. And you and I are the people that that's been passed down to. Jesus said, I will send the Spirit to go with you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I will be with you. And all along we've seen the people who have gone before us who started in a little room of panic and yet when they totally gave their lives over to the direction of God in their life, it changed not just the trajectory of their life, it changed the trajectory of history. I am not content any longer to live in the spiritual panic room. I want my life to be changed by the resurrection. We sang a song last week that said, No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. Now the question is, what could we do if we truly believe that Christ has risen from the dead? Could we make a greater difference in our family? Could we make a a greater difference in our world? Could we become more loving, more daring, more dramatic in how we carry out the cross of Christ? Because if the world will see Jesus, the world will see Jesus in you and me. Christ can give you his peace. He can breathe into you his spirit. You don't have to do it on your own. Those guys were locked in a room. There's no way they were going anywhere without him. But with him, They changed the course of history. Lives were changed. Families were changed. Communities were changed. And that same spirit can breathe upon you today. Don't let more of life pass you by. Unlock the panic room. Do not fear. Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And there's nothing in heaven on on earth that we need to fear again. It was in that first song that we sang this morning, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I am a child of God. And so, daughters and sons of God, let me ask you, if death was arrested, if the grave was defeated and Jesus set us free, then let's stop living in fear. Let's stop hiding. Let's stop worrying about what others might think or or fill in the blank, but let's take on the peace of Christ. Let's be a people who go and tell this good news. Let's be a people that Easter changes us so much that we're just not content to stay in the room and put the bar on the door any longer. That we're a people that aren't just content to just continue in this journey of of celebrating in amongst ourselves, but we are a people who are called to go. We are be a people that are called to change. Easter ought to change everything. Is it changing you? For you and I are called to be the people who stand up loudly by the work that we do and by the words that we say. And we declare, He is risen.
He is risen indeed. Last week, we celebrated the resurrection of our Savior. We stood in awe of a Redeemer who has defeated sin, conquered death, and changed our eternity. Now, the work of the church begins. It's our time to go and tell the world about Jesus, to let them know they are loved, to show them they are cared for, to be the light of Christ to those around us. The story of Easter is not meant to be kept quiet. The gift is not meant to be kept secret. The love of Jesus, His grace and mercy, the power of His resurrection are meant to be shared with our friends, our families, our communities, our nation, and our world. Today there is light overcoming darkness, hope destroying hopelessness, victory rising out of defeat, and life rising from the ashes of death. It's time to climb the mountaintops and proclaim in one loud voice, He is risen. He is risen indeed. And Father, may that be true of us today. May we be a people that has, has gone through this Easter season, but are not the same. And Father, today, if we find ourselves locked in the room somewhere, loving you, but recognizing that, that we are, we're holding on to some fear in our life. It's keeping us from being all that you have called us to be. And Lord, we just want to lay that down at your feet today. For we want to be a people who learn today to trust in you with all that we are. There will always be tomorrow. We'll have to have help from you tomorrow, too. But we want to concentrate on today, finding your peace in our life and living outside of the panic room and showing the world what the difference that Jesus makes in our hearts and life. Showing our kids that it's not just something we go through the motion and, and we come to church, but it affects every part of who we are. Showing the neighbors that we live or the spouse that we have or or, or the co-workers that we work with. That this resurrection is not just a, a hobby, but it becomes the identifying mark of our life. And that by who we are, without even thinking about it, we come to the place in our life where the actions of our life and the words of our mouth Proclaim loudly and boldly, he is risen, he is risen indeed. Now, Lord, take us from this place and help us to be your hands and feet. And as the Father sent Jesus, so now we are sent. May the love of Christ be lived out in our lives so thick that it just gets all over everybody that we meet. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you as you go.